Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. Thank you all for checking in with me one more time here. This is episode 50. And while I had planned on doing a more independent thought focused episode, you know, primarily about uh, myself and the podcast journey that we are on, there was too much in the news to overlook this week. So with that being said, the title of today's episode, What is the Green New Deal? So in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about what happened in Texas this week, uh, what it has to do with the Green New Deal, and why the Green New Deal is under attack. So we have to discuss exactly what that is. But first, I want to say that if you are not already, please follow me on Instagram at Independent Thought. It is the best place to keep up with this podcast. I post on my story daily. That is the best place to keep up with everything going on with this podcast. Now, with that being said, let's jump right in. First, I want to acknowledge that while this episode is about the Green New Deal, I will not be talking about it right away. I'm going to get to it in the second part of this episode, because first, I want to talk about what happened in Texas last week. So at first, when I was hearing about this story, you know, I heard that Texas was going to be getting some winter weather. I didn't really think too much of it. I was like, oh, you know, this Texas is going to get some snow. That's that's no big deal. Why pay attention to this? And then as the days went on, and actually the devastation started to really pile up, it dawned on me, and I guess so many others in this country, just like, what exactly a winter storm like that actually meant for Texas. You know, so what we saw down in Texas was, you know, an entire electrical system basically failing because of this storm. So people lost power for days. Some people lost their power for over a week. Some people lost their water supply completely. So they had no water in their house uh, due to pipes that were bursting all over uh, Southern Texas and many parts of just Central and Northern Texas. You had people having to line up to get fresh water out of drinking fountains in nearby parks and then having to boil the water just for it to be safe to drink. On top of that, as we know, many people have died because of this storm. And a lot of people are in critical condition from going days without having any heat. And the question really becomes, what exactly happened? Like, how did a snowstorm cause all of this devastation? Because for those of us who live in the north, you know, we have snow all the time. So why exactly is our system able to withstand snowstorms? And what's happening in Texas Why were they not able to handle this snowstorm? That was the first thing I asked myself. So here's where the research comes in. And before we dive into all the specifics, I want to say that the research that I did for this show came from five different sources, uh, Vox, CBS News, Fox News, the Texas Tribune, and the Years Project are the five places that I went to to get 
uh, information for this particular episode. And as always, I encourage all of you to do your own research. Don't always use what the information that I provide as your only source of research. Uh, definitely go out and expand your knowledge on your own after listening to this episode. So first thing to acknowledge is that there are three different power grids in the United States. There is the Western grid, there is the Eastern grid, and then there's Texas's grid. Texas as a state has its own grid. How cool is that? Or at least you would think it'd be cool. But, you know, it is due in part to that fact that Texas has its own grid, that in moments like this, that, you know, when their whole thing basically just got shut down because of the weather, there was no other way to reroute power from other portions of the grid into Texas because they are isolated the way that they are. And now there are several different, you know, reasons that they claim that this is a thing. You know, some people claim that Texas has its own grid because they have so much energy that they're able to produce in that state. They didn't need to rely on other parts of the country to get energy. But many claim that the reason why Texas has its own electoral grid is because they are trying to avoid federal regulations. They did not want the federal government to be implementing unnecessary regulations into their free energy markets. So who does actually run the energy market in Texas? Well, it is an entity called ERCOT, the Electrical Reliability Council of Texas. So when they were asked what exactly happened, why did this all fail, they admitted that they were actually moments away from the entire grid collapsing completely. And what that would have meant would be that it would have left people in Texas without power for months, for months. And so instead of having that happen, they are the ones who implemented the rolling blackouts to prevent the grid from failing altogether. They instituted these blackouts so that people wouldn't have power temporarily to prevent its inevitable collapse that would have left people without power for months. So it actually was almost tremendously worse than it already was for so many people in that state. And so the question really becomes, how do you not know that a snowstorm can knock out your entire grid? Well, apparently, Texas leaders were warned that winter storms could leave the grid vulnerable, but they left the choice to prepare up to the private power companies whether or not they wanted to winterize the system. And in a really broad sense, winterizing basically just means, you know, taking the grid as itself, like how you would transmit power from plants that produce the energy to everyone's homes, and can you protect it from, you know, basically from cold temperatures. It's basically as simple as it sounds. But currently their systems aren't set up for that because they thought they would cut costs by not winterizing the system because it's Texas and they don't really get snowstorms that often. But they did, and so alas, devastation. So, and the devastation in question, again, has led to grim tales of people being in their cars inside their garage trying to stay warm some people dying from carbon monoxide poisoning due to that fact you know there are people who went there was a terrible story about an 11 year old boy who went to sleep in his bed and then never woke up because he had hypothermia and it, it just boggles my mind that all of this could have been prevented 
had some power companies decided to actually go out of their way to winterize their system so that it could prepare for a winter storm. And I understand that Texas is a, is a relatively warm place. They don't really don't have s- snow like that, but it would seem that most of the rest of the country has winterized their electrical system. I live in a state like Montana. We don't lose power when it gets to, you know, 10 degrees below zero when it snows for days on end. So it can't be the most expensive thing in the world to have done. It'd probably be cheaper in the long run to have it done this way. But alas, you know, when you are so completely anti-regulation, these are some of the drawbacks that can come with companies prioritizing profits over people. That's my opinion obviously. So to go on about the devastation, Governor Abbott of Texas decides to appear on Fox News to discuss what exactly happened in his state. And when he appeared on Sean Hannity's program last week, he said that wind and solar power make up about 10% of Texas's electrical makeup. And he said that This is actually why the Green New Deal would be bad for Americans. He said that this, what happened in Texas, shows that fossil fuels really are necessary. And I had originally heard that he was saying this, and I just couldn't understand how that connection was made. How do you make the connection between the Green New Deal and what happened in your state? And so I had to go watch this this video for myself. And I, and I sat there and watched the governor of Texas with a straight face say the words, ten, like roughly 10% of our electrical makeup is wind and solar, and that is the reason why our, our system failed. So I had to take a pause for a second because I couldn't understand how someone could literally try to make the argument that the fact that they had around 10% of their electrical makeup be wind and solar somehow meant that that was the reason why everything failed. Now, he knew that that wasn't the reason why it failed, but yet when asked about, like, why did your state, you know, like, fail to protect its people from this storm, instead of taking any kind of blame or pointing it where it should be at the greed of these private companies who didn't want to winterize their systems, instead, he decided to pivot and talk about how green technology is not only bad for Texas, but it's bad for the country. And I, I about lost it. I about, I, I about lost it. I, I didn't even know how to, how to comprehend how you could pivot that hard, that far away from the actual truth. But then Governor Abbott went on to say that as the Biden administration more, moves towards the Green New Deal, that what happened in Texas is going to happen all over America. I got nothing for you. I really don't. I don't know how the governor of Texas used this opportunity to attack green energy when clearly it wasn't the reason that it happened. If you have a pie chart and you have only 10% of your electricity comes from wind and solar, how do you say that that 10% is the reason why your entire grid failed? Well, obviously it isn't. So, but this is just one example about how people who are against renewable energy constantly are attacking renewable energy and attacking legislation or are attacking any kind of mindset that leads towards renewable energy. 
And so the question that I really had here, and this is the kind of the basis around this episode is, what exactly is going on in this, in this country around the conversation of the Green New Deal? Why are we constantly being like misled about what exactly the Green New Deal is? And what is the Green New Deal? For those who don't know, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, kind of know what it is in context, but they don't know what it actually is. So I went through and looked at as much information as I could about this. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you exactly what the Green New Deal is and whether or not it is a good idea for America. And is it fair to actually attack it? So when we come right back, we will be talking about those things. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us for another episode of Independent Thought. So before we went on the break, we were talking about the elephant in the room. What exactly is the Green New Deal? Brought to us by, you know, like reason why we're having to have this discussion is because once again, we have another attack on the Green New Deal for reasons unknown. Because while, you know, like what happened in Texas is a devastating thing, it did not make any sense to me that while the entire electrical grid failed, the governor of Texas decided to blame the failings on green energy, even though there were multiple reports coming out of the state. I'm going to reference one from the Texas Tribune that said that every single type of energy failed because the system was not equipped to handle those temperatures due to it not being winterized. So let's get down to it. What exactly is the Green New Deal? 
The Green New Deal, first and foremost, before we say what it is, let's say what it isn't. It's not a bill. It is not a bill. It is not legislation. Say that one more time. It is not legislation whatsoever. Why say that multiple times? Because if you hear about the Green New Deal, especially people who are against it, people talk about it as if it's a piece of legislation being ready to be brought to the House floor. It is not. Okay. I was surprised when I first like started like doing research on this because I didn't even know that. Because like a lot of people, I get my news from major news sources. And the way they talk about the Green New Deal, it's as if it is a bill that's ready to be passed onto the House floor. But it's not. In fact, it is a 14-page document that is basically just like a set of guidelines about what we should do. That's basically it. It is a 14-page bill. In fact, I read it right before we started recording this. It is actually a really easy read. I recommend you checking it out for yourself because, honestly, it's written pretty simply. And again, it's 14 pages. Not that long. So what's in the Green New Deal? First. The first section is, it is basically acknowledging uh, us as human beings, our role in climate change, that we are affecting climate change on a global scale, unequivocally. Scientists the world over have come to this conclusion. And the few that hadn't, that have not, that are against climate change science for reasons unknown, well, let's just not even talk about them. Why talk about the 3% of people that aren't on board with what everyone else is on board with? So the second section of the Green New Deal basically addresses what needs to be done in order to combat climate change, which are things, again, that scientists have said all over the world. Things like primarily stopping using fossil fuels, obviously. The goal in the Green New Deal says to combat fossil fuel use by 40 to 60% by the year 2030, with being at net zero by 2050. This includes changing the vehicles that we use. So changing from fossil fuel uh, vehicles to electric vehicles and other hybrid forms of vehicles, uh, retrofitting buildings so that buildings are more energy efficient and changing some of our farming practices so that the farming practices, again, are more um, environmentally friendly. And then the third section of the Green New Deal is just acknowledging the fact that transforming our economy on this level where we're changing our fossil fuel use to basically like, you know, writing it out of existence is going to have an economic impact on this country. And then a lot of working class people will feel the burden by that. And so that while the government is, you know, like trying to do its best to move the country away from fossil fuel usage, it should also protect those who are going to lose their jobs because they're no longer going to have this industry to rely on for income. And that comes with job guarantees, job trainings, and universal health care. So how do we usually talk about the Green New Deal? Because if you're like me, you know, you get a lot of your information from mainstream media and the conversation around the Green New Deal has almost never really been about what's in the Green New Deal. It's always been about, you know, just like the politics around the Green New Deal. 
you know, and there's actually, you know, a phrase for this. It's actually called uh, tactical framing. And that is when the news covers an issue by talking about its popularity or how politicians feel about it versus what it actually is. And this is not something that's really new in our politics. Tactical framing happens all over the place. I felt as though tactical framing was a really big use, uh, a really big uh, way that they covered Medicare for all, which was something that drove me crazy last year. In fact, one of the first episodes that I did on this podcast almost a year ago today was about Medicare for all and just my absolute disgust with how people in the media actually covered what Medicare for all actually is. And for any of you who are interested, uh, I don't normally promote going back to my first season because I don't think those episodes were really done that well, but I did an episode on Medicare for all. I believe it's my seventh episode ever in my first season tactical framing, not how we should be covering important issues. So moving on from that, the question really becomes, do we need a Green New Deal? Do we need to adopt policies that are going to move our country away from fossil fuels? Well, let me just say this really bluntly. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I mean, do we have to follow everything that is in the Green New Deal to a T? No, but then again, it's not a bill. It is just a framework to eventually create legislation that will be geared towards moving us away from fossil fuels. So we got to keep that in mind. The question really should be, do we as a nation want to try to uh, you know, combat climate change? Do we want to combat climate change? It's, it's really a yes or no question. And I don't understand the hesitancy, you know, for not wanting to do it. Because if you're living anywhere in this country, we are all being affected by climate change. Whether you are in the West and you are seeing wildfires happening at an alarming rate year after year after year that, you know, just rewind the clock just even 10 years ago. Did we ever have wildfires as crazy as they are now? No. I mean, wildfire smoke was reaching Washington, D.C. from California this last year. I mean, had, had that ever happened in our lifetimes before that? I'm just going to answer it. I don't remember it. I'm 30 years old. I used to live on the East Coast. I never once saw wildfire smoke from California at any moment in time when I ever lived in the East. And when I moved out West, I don't think I really ever saw smoke from California until 2012. So I just, just taking that in and of itself... And we see the rise of these bigger and bigger hurricanes. When we look at these 100-year floods that are happening, and I'm sorry, these 500-year floods that are happening in states like, you know, Michigan that happened, you know, a few years back. There was a town in Maryland in 2016 that got hit with a 1,000-year flood. And then two years later, that exact same town got hit with another 1,000-year flood. But let's talk more importantly about what happened in Texas again this year. Houston, Texas particularly, it was said that the storm, this winter storm that hit them, was supposed to be a once-in-a-hundred-year type winter storm. Now, the interesting thing about that is that for Houston particularly, this is the fourth one-in-100-year one, like weather event that they've had in the last 10 years. So the YEARS project 
does a, a great video talking about 100 year weather events. I recommend you go check them out on YouTube. It's a pretty quick watch. And these things aren't supposed to be happening as quickly as they are or as often as they are, but it is a direct result of our impact on the climate. And so when you ask a question like, do we need the Green New Deal? You know, I don't know how the answer can possibly be no. I really don't. I don't know how you can sit there with a straight face and say that, you know, we shouldn't do anything to combat climate change. But there is pushback because there have been opponents who have been denying climate change for years. For years, there are people who said that climate change didn't even exist. In fact, there still are people who say that now. I watched Fox News less than a year ago, and there were people on Fox News who were saying that it's ludicrous to think that human beings can even affect climate change. Only God can do that. Now, I'm not here to have a debate about religion with you, but I will tell you that there is a way that human beings can affect climate change, and you just need to get on board with that. I don't understand how you could think to yourself that the way that we pollute this planet has no effect on it. You think that we can just throw out as much trash as we want to, we can just burn as much fossil fuels as we want to, there's never going to be an impact on that? You really believe that? This kind of pushback goes, pushback goes all the way back to the 1970s. A chemical company by the name of DuPont uh, famously came out and said that uh, they believed that, uh, <laughs> that allegations that there was holes in the ozone layer was actually uh, misinformation from the KGB that was uh, meant to be in, from their anti-capitalist agenda. And more modern days attacks, while some people you know, who are against climate change have now come around to the idea that climate change is real, now a lot of the pushback comes with what we should do about it. A lot of people are against doing anything about climate change because they'll talk about you know, job security. When I was doing research for this episode, Sean Hannity in particular, in that same interview with Governor Greg Abbott, said that he doesn't think that we should be, you know, going away from oil because so many people are going to lose their jobs. And we just can't do that. Look, the jobs debate's a fair thing. I will say that you know, like while, you know, like on one hand, you can have the argument that, you know, there are industries that just die in America. And that's something that people on the right are always championing, just like letting the, the free market do what it does. On the other hand, I'm sympathetic to people who are losing their jobs, their income. I understand that there are real world, you know, like economic outpacks. I mean, like, you know, there are real world, like economic, you know, setbacks that can come from you know, us transitioning away to renewable energy or transitioning to new renewable energy, excuse me. But to be fair, if we were having a fair conversation about the Green New Deal, well, as I was just saying, you know, earlier in this segment, the Green New Deal actually covers that. It is one of the things that they address in the Green New Deal. It's the fact that we don't want to just like put people out on the street because we're transitioning to renewable energy, that we should be protecting these people and making sure that they have a job to transition to as we are eliminating these 
fossil fuel jobs. And so the fact that people who are against the Green New Deal are always talking about the fact that you're going to lose jobs because of it. Well, if they were being fair to the conversation, they would know that the Green New Deal actually protects people from them losing their jobs. So there's kind of a non-argument. But then the second argument is always the same one that it is for everything else, which is if we do this, we're just going to implement more socialism in our country. And I got to tell you, I'm just really tired of this conversation about the whole socialism like argument you know, here in America. People try to act as though anytime that the government wants to do anything to regulate capitalism, that it means that we're turning into a socialist nation. And I hope that there are some people listening to this episode who are kind of in the center or on the right, because I want you to hear me really quickly. The government regulating private companies is not always socialism. And the fact that the Republican Party tries to turn every single debate into this is just an insult on all of our intelligence collectively. The government regulating the, uh, the private sector isn't always socialism. It just isn't. I'm sorry, but maybe if we had some regulations in Texas, you know, just this past, you know, week, you wouldn't have seen the devastation that you saw. If the companies down there were forced to winterize their system in Texas, maybe it wouldn't have failed. It's a really lazy thing that happens on the right way too often where anytime the government wants to do anything to scale back, you know, the private sector of this country that we say, oh, that's socialism and we can't have that as if the government isn't already regulating so many other sectors of the economy. The question should be whether or not does this regulation make sense, not we're all anti, you know, regulations because if regulations, you know, like weren't necessary and companies would just do the right thing if the government was off their back, then why didn't those power companies in Texas winterize that system? They didn't do it because they didn't have to, because they knew, they knew it would save them some money. Let's not act like companies are altruistic and they're always going to do the right thing. They don't, obviously. That's why we need regulations sometimes. It's not a matter of whether we should have them or not. It's a matter of when they make sense and when they don't. But unfortunately, there are some people in government right now that are still against any and all regulations, like governor, former governor of Texas, Rick Perry, who said that Texans would rather go cold than allow the federal government to regulate their grid. I'm sure that there are so many people who echo your sentiments today, former governor. I'm so sure that that's exactly how they feel. I'm sure that, that had nothing to do with any kind of fossil fuel donations that you've taken over the years. but. Let's just talk about it like this. Since this storm has happened, Governor Abbott is now asking uh, the power companies in Texas to winterize their grid. But then again, he's not actually demanding it. He's just asking it. And some companies in Texas have already pushed back and said that they're not going to do it because Texas doesn't get hit with winter storms that often. And they're just hoping that this won't happen again. So. Do we need the Green New Deal? Again, yes. Yes, we do. We need to be moving away from fossil fuels in this country. I don't know if that will ever get rid of them completely, but they should be used at least in 10% of our energy makeup the way that solar and wind basically are currently. 
We are doing a lot of damage to our planet in so many different ways. And to do a true climate change episode, this could probably go on for two or three hours. So obviously I'm leaving a lot of information out of the equation. And I would love to know how you feel about this particular debate, any of the issues that I brought up in this episode, uh, my viewpoints on it. If you agree, disagree, want to provide some clarity, please send me a DM on Instagram or on Twitter at Independent Thought. Tell me your thoughts on this particular episode. Do you believe in the Green New Deal? Do you believe that we should let the free market just continue the way it is? How, what are your feelings on climate change and what we should do to combat it? Like I was saying, we, I could honestly have a conversation about climate change for hours if need be. There's so many different nuances that go into this conversation. And I will be coming back to the broad topic of climate change again in the future because there is so much to talk about. But I just want to kind of put my final stamp on this conversation before I end this, this topic. And, you know, too often, you know, we have this conversation in this country about, you know, like, oh, well, you know, we should try to do better, but, you know, it's just going to cost too much money. You know, I, I hear that right now, like when people talk about like, oh, the Green New Deal is going to cost so much money if we try to do this. It's like, what is the cost going to be if we don't do it? Do you honestly believe that we can just continue on the way that we are and there's not going to be any repercussions for it? Because I, I feel as though there are just some in politics right now that just, they either don't care or they are just trying to do the bidding of their donors because there is no honesty in saying that we are not harming the planet. I don't understand the viewpoint that says that, you know, we should just like, just not do a single thing about it and just let the chips fall where they may. Like, don't we all care about the fact that we're destroying the only home that we have? Tell me your thoughts. With that being said, we're gonna take one more break and when we come back, I'll have my final thoughts of the day. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Independent Thoughts. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. That is the best way to keep up with any future episode and any time that there might be bonus content that I do not regularly advertise on my social media. But you'll see it if you are subscribed. And with that being said, this is the 50th episode of Independent Thought. When I started this podcast over a year ago, it was in uh, January of 2020, I had no idea what I was doing. I still barely know what I'm doing. But all I knew was that what was going on in the world was something that I just felt the need to express out loud. And I didn't know if anyone was ever going to listen or if anyone cared about what I had to say, but I just did it anyway. And surprisingly enough, um, 50 episodes later, a year and like a month later, people are still tuning in and I appreciate all of you. I mean, as of right now, I have around 2,000 followers on Instagram, 1,000 on Twitter, 80 people have subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is dismal. Not that 
80 is dismal, but the content I'm putting out on YouTube is dismal. One day the content will be better on YouTube, but for now, it it it, it is what it is. <laughs> I want to thank the uh, 10 patrons that I have. I set up a Patreon for this podcast uh, about a month ago, and 10 people have already signed up. Uh, you know who you are. Thank you so much for being involved in my Patreon. For those who might be interested, the link is in the episode notes of this episode. Uh, thank you to everyone who consistently comes back and talks to me about these episodes. To all of you who DM me on a regular basis on Instagram and on Twitter, I appreciate all of your thoughts. You are never bothering me with your DMs, so please feel free to continue to do so. I encourage anyone else who has not already, you can reach out to me on social media and talk to me about my points in this episode. If you agree, if you disagree, and even more so if you're interested in coming on, I'm always looking for new guests for the future. We are locked up for all of season three, but I'm already taking guests for season four. So thank you so much for those of you who are constantly engaged with independent thought. Now, one of the things that I haven't talked about uh, this season at all, I actually haven't talked about it since the first season, uh, is where I get my news from. So a lot of where I get my news from is from a show on YouTube called Rising. Uh, it's done by The Hill. Uh, the co-hosts are Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty. I cannot recommend these two highly enough. Uh, while they're not the sole place I get my news from, I also get my news from a range of other places. I think the Rational National is a great place. Uh, Secular Talk is a good use of, uh, is definitely a good show. Uh, so many others uh, that I did not write down, so that is on me right now. But uh, I would say The Hills Rising, first and foremost, great place to get news. Crystal is a progressive on the left, Sagar is a conservative on the right. And they bring a pretty great bipartisan show together that you would think would be hokey and kind of just like two people just trying to get along. But the show is honestly fantastic. And I couldn't recommend it high, you know, more than, well, I could recommend it more, but I'm trying to say that it's a great show and you should definitely check it out. Uh, with that being said, I do have a break coming up in this show. There will be a mid season break. Uh, it'll be at least one week, possibly two. Uh, it'll be coming up uh, not this week, but the week afterwards. I'm going to be doing one more episode and then taking a mid-season break. And then the second half of the season, I'll be coming back to do another 10 or 11 episodes. So with all that being said, uh, be on the lookout for that next episode, the last one before the break. And please go back and check out any episodes from this season that you haven't already. Uh, season three, I've had some great guests on. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out all, you know, like 10 episodes from season three so far. Uh, I guess nine, since you're listening to the 10th one right now. But please go back and check out the previous nine episodes from season three. There's some great content on there. There's some great guests on almost every single episode because uh, there are a couple episodes where there's no guests. Uh, but definitely go check those out. I highly recommend the Neuralink episode and the China's concentration camp episode. Uh, just because those two topics in particular were topics that I spent a lot of time researching and I feel as though more people need to know what's going on in China and what is going on with Neuralink. So with that being said, thank you to everyone 
uh, for listening to this episode of Independent Thought. I just want to leave you with some final thoughts on this episode when it comes to climate change. I know that sometimes we think, you know, that there's not a whole lot that you can do individually to impact climate change, but I'm just here to tell you that that is not the way to look at this. Every little thing that we do does make an impact. And what also makes an impact is the impact that you have on the people in your immediate life. You'll be surprised that if you start making little efforts to do things that are more climate conscious, your friends, your family, they'll notice it. They'll start doing it too. And that's kind of how these movements really start happening is just the commitment from the individual person to just stand up and say, I'm gonna do at least something to combat climate change. Even if that something is as simple as committing to getting one of those canvas bags and using that whenever you go to the grocery store and no longer getting plastic or paper bags, even something as small as that can go a long way. So we're buying a water bottle and no longer buying disposable like water bottles or plastic bottles when you're out somewhere, those things do go a long way. So I wanna say that there are little ways that we can all do our part to help the environment. So don't ever feel as though that you individually cannot. I will leave you today with a, one of my most favorite quotes, which is, the best thing that you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. So with that being said, don't be afraid to try something. See you next time.